if I got plenty of leftovers at home. I thought this last year we need to have like a leftover Sunday. We just, everybody bring their leftovers and like, ooh, I didn't get, some of that stuff's better after it sits in the fridge for a while anyway. <clears throat> or maybe the leftovers because it's not fit to eat. Nah, that's not the case. Not at our house. We, we're, I think we're going to have them today. <laughs> All right, well, let's look at, uh, open up our Bibles to First Peter. We're at chapter number five. We're getting there. <clears throat> we are getting there. We're not in a hurry though, right? You might hurry. <clears throat> We are, uh, you guys didn't even really need to come this morning because what we're going to look at today is mainly pointed at me. So I guess you can be my witnesses, my accountability partners, if you will, what we're going to look at this morning. Keep me, keep me straight. Let's pray before we get going and then we'll, uh, we'll work down through this. I'm going to try to make up for last week. We'll give you a couple minutes early this week. Let's, sound like a good idea? Unless somebody comes in at 1130 again, then, then we got to start over. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord, to come to your house. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this uh, Thanksgiving season. Uh, Lord, the time that our nation just pauses to be thankful for uh, uh, everything that you've given us, Lord, and every Sunday ought to be that way uh, in the church house. And uh, Lord, as we uh, uh, look at uh, what Peter's basically uh, uh, asked and told me to do and what you've told me to do, Lord, this morning, I just pray that uh, uh, you'll help us work through this, Lord. And if there's someone here this morning that's not saved, that's, that's the reason we're here this morning, uh, Lord, is to preach the gospel and that make sure that everyone uh, has, uh, has that settled in their heart. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's not saved, I pray that they will get that settled. Lord, we uh, just ask you to be with these services today uh, and uh, bring us back tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we did. We had a good Sunday school class this morning. I don't want to make you feel like you weren't the only ones there, but you weren't the only ones that were there. So uh, we had a great class this morning, brought in some tables. We didn't even have donuts. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> So uh, we, uh, we should continue that Sunday school challenge through December, shouldn't we? We just keep it up. So it's, it's official. I challenge you to come to Sunday school in the month of, no, of uh, December, and uh, we'll keep that up. Well, uh, we have been preaching through the book of, uh, of Peter here, and I, I, we'll see if we'll continue on. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't have this uh, planned out. We'll, we'll see where the Lord leads us. We may get into uh, Second Peter when we finish this up. And I've said this all, probably almost every Sunday for the past however long we've been here, but I, I really like the Apostle Peter. And uh, as we get to uh, chapter number five here in, in the book that he was uh, uh, given the honor to pen, um, he, he's going to kind of introduce himself uh, a little bit again, and then uh, basically he's preaching at me. So this might be more of a teaching learning lesson for you, and I know this week it was kind of a uh, self-reflecting uh, message and, and lesson for me this week. Um, but here's the other thing, we, we forget about this, uh, there, we don't forget about this, I, I don't forget about it, but you, you may forget about it, there might be somebody out of this church that's called to preach. You're like, ooh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be just, wow, wouldn't that be crazy? Crazier things have happened, trust me, I know. <laughs> Crazier things have definitely happened. Uh, so this, the Lord could be talking to you uh, through this message this morning, and uh, hopefully will in that aspect as well. But we're going to kind of just uh, mainly teach through here verse number 1 of 1 Peter chapter number 5. He begins, The elders which are among you I exhort... 
who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, I've kind of found this interesting over the years because different churches, different denominations, different whatever you have, it they kind of have different titles for people. Have you, have you noticed that? Um, I, I know I've got a friend of mine, he, and uh, ooh, me and him, we just kind of we bang heads on a lot of doctrinal stuff. And um, he was uh, talking about the elders at his church, and so we're going back and forth. And, I, and um, through just him and I talking about the difference or, or what an elder is. <clears throat> and I think we kind of sometimes have this, uh, this mindset. We hear elder and we just think old people, right? <laughs> is that what everybody thinks or is it just me? You're elder. We just think old people. Well, that's not, that's not necessarily the case. And I think once I explain to, to you what, this, what, what, what we view as an elder, you'll be like, what? Seriously? Our church at this time has one elder. You're like, I don't know, I see a lot of gray in here. (laughs) The elder that we have here at this church is me. And you're like, what? You're just a young pup. Some of you might think that. Some of you (laughs) think not. My sister, again, reminded me at Thanksgiving that everyone in here thinks, and I want to make this clear, that she is older than I am. (laughs) Because she said some, a lot of, a lot, I think he said a lot of people. She said, a lot of people think you're older than I am, but she's got eight years on me, so let's not that be mistaken here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we think elder, and we just think uh, somebody older, or wise old owl, or whatever, but that's not specifically the case that the Bible's talking about, um, because the Bible also interchanges the word with elder, and bishop, and pastor, and preacher. So, I'm... I think I'm like right in the middle of this crowd, aren't I? You guys think I'm really old, and you guys think I'm really young. So I'm, I'm kind of smack in the middle, and, and some of you don't know how old I am. I'm younger than what you think, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm the elder that we have here at Harvest Baptist Church. And basically when the Bible talks about an elder, and the elders of the church uh, is basically the pastor. And, and some churches have assistant pastor and the secondary assistant pastor, and the assistant pastor in training, and the um, whatever, the list goes on and on. Some churches have 25 elders that are they're basically pastors. They have been called, and not just called to preach, but surrendered to that calling. And um, here, you guys are fortunate enough, we only have one, <laughs> and that's me. So when, when the uh, Apostle Peter says, the elders which are among you, um, he's talking to the pastor. Now, he's writing this letter um, um, to everybody, to churches through, throughout history and all time, from, um, <clears throat> from those churches that we've been studying on Sunday nights uh, there in Asia all the way to today. And that's why I like this book so much is because uh, it's applicable to everybody and everyone. And we're reading it today, and it's just as fresh and applies just like it did 2,000 years ago. So when we begin here at, at chapter number uh, five here. The first we're going to look at three verses. I, I think I was going to go to four, but that's it doesn't really. Uh, maybe we'll go there, Cody. I don't know. We'll we'll see how far we get. We're going to look at three or four verses here in this book, and this is the Apostle Peter writing to me. I get my own personal section here. Now he all this sin and stuff he's been talking about. That's all been pointed at you, right? <laughs> I was telling somebody a while back. I said I feel like I preach on my sin way more than I do anybody else's. I I don't. And I guess that's because I got plenty of it. 
right? I, I'm not like Atlee. Uh, I was talking about her in Sunday school this morning. We were watching a float go by, and, and it had uh, the manger scene and the cross and the tomb, and, and she was telling me what all that was, our four-year-old. She said, that's, that's where Jesus was born, and that's where Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, and that's where Jesus rose from the tomb. And I'm like, I'm holding her. I'm like, wow. I, I said, he, he went to the cross to pay for sins, didn't he? Yep. I said, do you have any sins that need paid for? She said, nope. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. <laughs> so that, that is why Jesus Christ came to this earth. And I, I really like that, that float because here, here's your gospel message for you this morning. Jesus Christ came to this earth. That's, that's the manger scene. Lived a perfect sinless life. And on that float, there was even some, I think they had some doves that were going across. And um, that's, that kind of reminiscent of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' ministry. And then the cross where Jesus died to pay for our sins because sins have to be paid for. Sin has a cost. We looked at Sunday school this morning that the reason that Adam and Eve aren't alive today is because they disobeyed God and that sin entered the world and death by sin. And we've all sinned, therefore we're all going to die. And we're all born dead, spiritually dead, because of Adam and Eve. So let's blame it on them, right? We saw a little finger-pointing match that happened there in the Garden of Eden, and we could do the same thing, but we talked a little bit this morning about personal accountability, responsibility and being accountable for yourself, that that's not taught today. Does anybody notice that? That most of the problems that we have in schools and universities and liberals is because of no personal responsibility, and that's not being taught nowadays, but we are, the only person I'm responsible for is me. But so many times we're eager to point the finger and say, but they're doing it, but they're doing it. <clears throat> my dad is a zoning inspector for Massey Township. Isn't that just a blessing to have? And my dad wrote me a violation when I lived in the township. Can you believe that? He wrote me a zoning violation, his own son. <laughs> and I could have said, but they're doing it, but, but they're doing something and they're doing something. That's what people do. Officer, I was just going with the flow of traffic. That white car that was beside me was going faster than I was. Isn't that our natural response is to point fingers and to place blame and, and to deflect deflect the blame from ourselves? Well, they're do, they were doing something way worse than I was. You, you don't have the right to, to do that to me. Well, well, guess what that's called? That's called being just. And God is just. He delivers judgment justly across the spectrum. We'll all, pay for, we'll all pay for our sins. We, we'll, we're all accountable for our sins. Adam and Eve were responsible for their sins. I'm responsible for my sins. And at least she's responsible for her sins. <laughs> Each and every one of us are responsible for our own sins. So we looked at that cross that was on that float, and that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth to pay for you and I. And then he died on that cross. And then he was buried for three days and three but it didn't, it didn't end there, did it? Because if it ended there, he would be no different than Muhammad. He'd be no different than Buddha. He'd be no different than anybody. But it didn't end there because he rose from the dead, that God rose him up. He, Jesus said, I have power. If I, I lay down my life, and I have power to take it back up. So he defeated death, hell, and the grave through that resurrection. I know this isn't Easter. This is getting closer to Christmas. But that is what saves us, putting our faith and trust in that. Not our own good works, not our own good deeds, not our own bad that. That won't get us to heaven. That'll send us straight to hell because that's Christ. So 
when Peter is talking here, the elders which are among you, I exhort who I am also an elder. So what is Peter? He's, he's a preacher. He's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like I am. He, he was called to preach. And because he was called to preach, he could have ran from that. He could have hid from that. Um, I, I hear these stories of, of preachers sometimes before that they were, they were called to preach and they ran from it from, for years and years and they just, like, has anybody ever heard those stories? Oh, I was called to preach and I ran and then, like, then I was in a car wreck and I realized that that was, a, I, I didn't, I don't have that, I don't have that testimony, I guess. Um, I, I, when, I, when I felt the call to preach, I was, I was like, um, I hate to say scared. I was scared. <laughs> I was a little scared. I thought, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's all. Oh. And then I thought this, what will people think? Because a lot of people knew me. What will people think? And a lot of people knew me because I was sinful. A lot of people knew me because I was just like everybody else. What will they think? <laughs> what will they think? But you know what? I put all that behind me, and I put all that in the past, and I said, I don't care what people think. Wouldn't we, wouldn't we all live a lot happier, better lives if we had that attitude? I don't care what people think. I don't live my lives to please anybody. Who, who should we live our lives to please? God. That, that's who we should aim, live our lives and aim to please. So I finally realized I don't care what people think. I only care what God thinks. And if he wants me to preach, then I'm going to do it, and I don't care what people think. So then I wanted to make sure that was the case because I didn't want to go out on a limb and embarrass myself, right? <laughs> so I made sure of it, and the Bible talks about that surety. I, I made sure that was the case. And, well, here we are. You're stuck with me. <laughs> so uh, when, when Peter says, the elders which are among you, ooh, that's me, I exhort. He, he's, he's begging. So he's, Peter is basically begging me. I, I exhort you. He is pleading with me. He is begging me. And then he says, who I am also an elder. So what I find interesting about this is this. Has anybody ever worked at a workplace, had like a manager or something, and they ask you to do something because they're not willing to do it? How does that make you feel? You're almost like, I don't want to do it. And the only reason you don't want to do it is because they're not willing to do it. Does anybody have that attitude or is it, is my, am I the only wicked one in the bunch here? Okay, we're all wicked. We all have that attitude. We, we don't want to work either with or for somebody that won't, won't do something themselves, will we? And in fact, I've, I've, I've only worked for just a few people in my life. But whenever I had somebody that I worked for that was willing to roll their sleeves up and jump in the gunk and the trench and the pit and the slop and the mud and do it themselves, you're like, hmm, you don't mind doing it as much, do you? You're like, oh, I don't, okay, He's, if he'll do it, I'll do it. <clears throat> now, get me straight, I'm not saying Peter is head of all the preachers, and if we get time, we'll get to that. But what is Peter? He's telling me to do something. I exhort you to do exactly what I'm doing in the first place. So I, when I read this, I'm like, well, Peter was willing to get down in the ditch and get dirty, wasn't he? It kind of it gives us that attitude of like, hmm, well, do you know who my boss is? Oh, it's that Jesus Christ character, isn't it? He was the one that was really willing to get down in the ditch and get dirty and roll up his sleeves and get to work and go to the cross and die for you and me. Hmm, 
that's my boss. That, that's the guy that I work for. Yeah, if, he's, if he'll do all that, I'm not, don't know I'm willing to go that far, but I'll sure do what you ask me to because he was willing to do it. And he, he's the type of boss that do, we, we've always heard this, I won't ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. Are we right? That, that's a good guy to work for. I won't ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. And that's the good guy to work for. He, witness, he says, also a witness of the suffering of Christ. Hey, he was there. He was on the scene. He witnessed the arrest in the garden. He, written, he witnessed the scourging, the beating, the mocking, the nailing him to the cross. We, we know that. We know that from Scripture. We, we know that, that Peter also did what? He denied Jesus Christ. Remember that message? Those, those two little girls made tough old Peter cry. He didn't even want to be associated with Jesus. And he was there on the scene. And then also this. Also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, I, I kind of thought a little bit about this this week, and I'm not going to be real dogmatic. And we've been studying on Sunday nights that if there's no reason to be dogmatic, something like that, don't, don't be dogmatic. But I thought, hmm, he's partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Now, I look at this two ways. <clears throat> Are we partakers of the glory that will be revealed? Yeah, absolutely. If we're saved, if you're saved, you will partake in the glory that's to be revealed. So I, I look at it that way on one hand, and I also look at it like this. Okay, Peter's kind of giving his resume, if you will. Peter's saying, I'm an elder. I witnessed the suffering of Jesus Christ. I, I can't put that on my resume. I understand it. I've read it through Scripture, but I have not seen it with my own eyes. And then he said that uh, the glory that sh uh, he's also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, we're reading this a couple thousand years after the fact, and yeah, he's partaking in that glory. But I don't think he would have put that on his resume 2,000 years ago. Here's what I think. Peter was present at the transfiguration on the mountain when Jesus had the conversation with those. He, he was present. He saw the glory of Jesus Christ on that mountain. So on the other hand, I, I kind of think he'd probably put that on his resume, wouldn't he? I think he, I'd put that on my resume. Hey, I saw Jesus Christ in his glory in heaven on the mountain, and, and, and I, I was there, and I witnessed that. I, I saw that. I would put that on my resume. So I think, on the other hand, I, there again, I'm not being dogmatic, but I think that that's the partaking of the glory because someday... That will be revealed on this earth when Jesus Christ comes down in that same fashion, that same manner. On that same mountain, he steps on that mountain and then the rock will be split and the water will spring forth. I think, it's, I think that's on his resume. I, I could be wrong. Might be. I don't know. Anybody else have a better idea? <laughs> let's vote on it. <clears throat> I, I think that's what it means. But let's look at the verse number two. Now, this is where it, <clears throat> we're going to spend a majority of our time. So he's gone through all that. He's, given, he's talking to me personally here in this message. He's given his resume. He's like, I, I'm, I'm not asking you to do anything that wasn't asked of me to do. And then he starts off like this when he's talking to me. Feed the flock of God. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you, and I'll, I'll be straight with you. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have meant a lot to me but that means a lot to me. Feed the flock of God. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> Do you know who Jesus... Or, uh, I just gave the answer away. Do you know who told Peter that same thing? Everybody say it together. 
Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told Peter that same thing. Remember when Jesus came back after the, the resurrection and he said, Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, sure I do. And he says, well, we'll feed the sheep. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, you know I, I love you. He says, feed the, feed, the, feed the lambs. Peter, do you love me? Oh, Jesus, you know everything. You know I love you. He says, then feed, feed the flock. So he, re, he wanted Peter, in my opinion, to really not just overlook what he was telling him. Is it, does anybody do that, do that with your wife? I didn't ask the wives if they do that because I know you don't. <clears throat> does anybody do that with their wives? <laughs> my wife had a conversation with me yesterday. and She treated me like the kid. She's like, listen. I'm like, what? Okay, focus. Uh, okay. I, I said, I need a head sock. Has anybody seen the video with the head sock? If you see the video with the head socks, you'll all giggle now. <laughs> it's this sock that a woman puts on her husband where he's not distracted by anything else going on. He just listens to her. I said, I guess I need a head sock. <clears throat> but I think sometimes if we're not careful, there's so much going on and we get to a busy time of year and we kind of get... And, and ladies, this is what it is. It's familiarity. We just feel so comfortable with you. We feel like we already know what's going to come out of your mouth. We are so in tune with you that we... We can decipher the problems of the world at the same time. Every woman in here is going, no, <laughs> they're, not, they're not buying it, guys. <laughs> they're not buying it. I, I think Jesus wanted to really get Peter's attention when he asked him that question three times. I've heard it preached that it was because he denied him three times. I think it was such an important subject. I think it was the most important thing that Peter was going to do that Jesus wanted to make sure that he got his attention and asked him that three times. I, that's my personal belief. I, I feel that Jesus was getting ready to launch off back into heaven, leave Peter alone, and he wanted Peter to, he wanted that to be burnt in his mind. Now, I might be wrong, but when I look at it like that, I think this is the most, I, I have it underlined dark in every Bible that I own, that Peter's instruction to me is feed the flock. Who is the flock? You guys. You're the, you're the flock of, not mine. You're, you're not my flock. You're the flock of God, and he's given me oversight. You're all like, what a mess did we get in here. <laughs> Does anybody feel that way? No, oh, good. You make me feel good. <laughs> you are the flock of God. When, when Jesus told Peter, he didn't say, Peter, feed your sheep. Peter, feed your lambs. Peter, feed the feed your flock. No, Jesus, and if we had time to look at it, it's, in, it's at, the, at the end of John there. He said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my flock. That's who you are. You're not my flock. You're not my sheep. You're not my lambs. You're God's sheep. You're God's flock. You're God's lamb. And somebody's got to feed them, right? <clears throat> our, our kids have these animals at home, and every time they say, can we go to grandma's? Can we go to can we go to so-and-so's house? Can we do this, that, and the other? My question is always this. Who's going to feed your animals? Would you? You know, how many times already just this year they owe me? <laughs> they owe me, big time. Or, or they'll, Avery will say, can, can I go over here? And Wyatt doesn't get to go, and I'm like, you need to talk to your brother. I'm fine with it. You need to talk to your brother. So she has to go to Wyatt. Wyatt, will you feed, will you feed, my, will you feed my steer? And good brother, isn't he? He always says, yes, Avery, I will. 
never says no. <clears throat> and she goes way more than he gets to go. <clears throat> yes, Avery, I'll feed your steer for you. What is he doing? He, he's, he's, he's stepping in in her absence. He, he's doing what needs to be done while they're away. Hey, what am I doing? The same thing. <clears throat> Do you think that's a big responsibility? That is a, that is a big responsibility. You guys know I probably don't take a whole, I'm sure you've figured it out by now. <laughs> you don't have to know me all that well. I don't take a whole lot real serious, do I? But I take this real serious. Because Peter's reminding me here to feed the flock of God. What am I going to feed you? Leftovers, right? No. I'm going to feed you right out of this. This book. This is the bread of life, this book. This is the bread of life. This is the water of life freely, this book. So <clears throat> when uh, Wyatt feeds Avery steer, he doesn't just feed it, but he gives it water, right? That's also out of this book. It's the water of life freely. It's the bread of life. <clears throat> this is God's instruction to us. I have nothing to give you. I don't. I, I have nothing to give you. I, when, when I come in here with my opinion, I normally let you know when it's my opinion. <clears throat> I'll say, I don't know about this for sure, or in my opinion. But when it is thus saith the Lord, hey, that's the feeding. I hope my opinion will do you some good sometimes. <clears throat> but if my opinion doesn't come from the Bible, then it's just my opinion. And I let you know, this is my opinion. <clears throat> the, the thing about opinions are, there's none that are more valuable than anybody else's. You might have an opinion on something. <clears throat> Liston says that Fords are the greatest thing on the planet. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> but when it comes to what thus saith the Lord, that's important. <clears throat> Here's what else is important for me to spend time and study during the week. And for me to spend time in prayer during the week. <clears throat> to make sure that what I get out of this book and out of this scripture can be exactly what you need in your week. Now, here's what I've noticed throughout the years. I'll, th I'll leave here, and I'm like, oh, that was a total bomb. And Christy will say, how'd it go this morning? I'll, I'll say, I blew it. I bombed it. I, I've done that once, I think. Is it once? <laughs> You're allowed to laugh. <laughs> I, I, I've done that more than once. And then Sunday night or something, somebody will say, that is exactly what I needed. And I'm like, what? I felt like we should have just folded our Bibles up and walked out this morning. Like, I didn't get anything out of that. Or I thought it was going in a totally different direction. Or I, I don't, what is that? That's, that's God feeding you through this book. It's, it's weird when that happens. And it's almost inevitably when that happens, I'll be like, it was a total bomb. There were Liston slept through the whole thing, not just part of it. It was, it was a wreck. Like, there were more than just Liston and Cody sleeping this morning. It was bad. And then somebody will say, that was, that was exactly what I needed this morning. I'm like, what? Really? Seriously? I, that's the thing about it. I never know. I never know what you need fit. I have no earthly idea. Sometimes I have come in here with a totally different direction, and it has spun 180 degrees, and it's amazing to watch and amazing to see. And I'll tell you when I've noticed it more often than the last couple months preaching out of this book of 1 Peter. Why is that? 
I have no note. I have no paper up here. For the past however long we've been in the book of Peter, I haven't brought a paper one up here with me. And it's been amazing just to see what God will do with my rambling. <laughs> because it's sometimes it's gone a totally different direction, and I have not a clue. I'm like, what? And it's not to say that I've come up here unprepared. Has anybody ever been to a Quaker church? I want to go to one someday. If we ever like have a Sunday off or something, I'm going to go one of these days. Because they say a true Quaker church, they come in, they sit down, and and they don't have a they don't have a preacher. They don't have an elder, pastor, bishop, whatever it is. They all come in, they sit down, and they don't know who's going to give the message that morning. Now, wouldn't that be weird? And they'll say, Brother Andrew, do you have a word for us this morning? And he may say, I, I guess, <laughs> and get up and, and give the message that morning. That's, that's totally weird, <laughs> in my opinion. I, I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's right. But the reason they do it and the purpose they do it is so that they try to take man as much out of the equation. That's, that's why they do it. They, they try to, because the, the preacher might run into you somewhere, <laughs> or the preacher might see you doing something, and he'll preach on it that week. And, and they try to take man out of the equation as much as possible. And, and the only reason I, I bring that up is because I've thought that before myself. Like, I just want to take me out of the equation as much as possible. And sometimes that's hard to do when I get political in here. But if, if I stay off the politics, sometimes I can remove myself from the equation. And, and that's what Peter is, is telling me to do. Feed the flock of God, not from my feed bin, not from my feed store, not from my grain truck, from this book. Feed the flock of God. Now, what on earth does that mean? That means the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God. Why, why is that important? Hmm, I wonder why that is important. Because my Bible has, let me look. My Bible has 1,546 pages. That's a lot. That's a big book. Is anybody a, a novel reader? That, I mean, we're getting 1,000 pages. Is that what they consider a novel? Kind of. I I way out of my element here like I think a hundred page book that's a lot for me <laughs> but we have a ton of information cram packed in this book that's what I want to get at and not just a ton of information cram packed in this book we have 40 plus different authors in this book that's a lot of different authors that doesn't happen in a novel does it when you pick sit down and pick up a a thousand page novel that that would just look miserable to me to sit down and go I've got to read this uh, I'll just buy a book report off of Heather Cole which I did a couple more than once but anyway uh, when you sit down and read a thousand pages you're getting a thousand pages of one man's opinion am I right not through this book you're getting 40 plus different authors and the Bible says that all scripture is inspired by God, so that it's written by the Holy Ghost, not those 40 different authors. But we have 40 different styles of the Holy Ghost used to pen that 40 different authors. And do you know what? Not just that, it's over 2,500 years of history by those 40 different authors. And not only that, do you know they all agree? What? That's not possible. Man couldn't do that. Man couldn't give 40 different people an ink pen 
and say write 1,500 pages over a 2,500 year period and for everyone to agree. You're right, man couldn't do that, but God can. <clears throat> so they're not only all in agreement, but they all have the same subject and that subject matter and that's Jesus Christ. Everything points to Jesus Christ. Man couldn't do that. That's right, God can. So I'm to feed you from this book because this book has daily applicable information in it. Everybody agree to that? <clears throat> has, has anybody ever set or listen to a preacher that you feel like you could no way in the world ever connect to. I have people all the time say, I don't know how you can do all what you do, and I just say, I look busier than what I am. <laughs> but, but what it is is this, I think it's important for the elder to not be out of touch. It, isn't that important? Um, I've used this illustration before, but um, the cattle at dad's house, is, they know the difference between me and him. If, I, if they're on vacation and I go out there and feed, they're really leery of me. They don't, they're like a little standoffish and they're a little leery. Why? Because I'm, I'm not their, I don't feed them. He feeds them. They, they can't relate to me. They don't know me that well. <clears throat> you know, that's how it is with a lot of preachers. They, they can't relate. They're not relatable. Now, I'm not saying I relate to everybody. Like I said, listen like sports. <laughs> but I have the same struggle. He's getting ready to get up and leave. <laughs> I have the same struggles that you have. I do. I, I have the same troubles in life that you have. I don't just sit down in, that, in Steve's office all week. <laughs> I don't even want it to be called my office. I, I don't just hang out here all week. It, it's kind of amazing that people just expect they, you know, it, the technology we have is, is so amazing. Like, he has all the church's bills set up where it's all automatic, right? I mean, like, for the most part, it, it's automatic. <clears throat> the, the phone rings here at church. It's, this is magic. This is, this is Steve Jobs at his best. The, the, he called him directly and got this set up. But when you call the church, there's a message, but that message automatically gets digitized. It gets sent to an email and right to my phone. It is the magical thing. And, uh, but all this technology has got me amazed now. I can't remember where I was going with that. What, what I was saying was we don't need somebody that just sits in an office all day. We, we don't. And if I just sat in an office all day and drew a big old fat paycheck from the church, I wouldn't have struggles, would I? Like, my, like if I had a church car that I get in it and, oh, it won't start, I'm going to call uh, Lang's Chevrolet and Xenia <laughs> and have them come fix the car, I, that wouldn't be a struggle, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be a problem. That wouldn't be an issue. I, I, would, I would be so out of touch. But thankful for you, the Lord has given me all these struggles and trials in life that I understand exactly what you're going through. Now, what is that? That's, that's being able to, to feed the flock of God. Because what I have noticed is when I'm going through a struggle or a trial or a battle and it spills over on my preaching, that is when people say, I was going through the exact same thing. 
and I go through the Word of God to get that. Sometimes I'll be preaching on myself and on my sins, and it's exactly what you're going through. What am I doing? I'm feeding myself and then feeding you. That's what Peter's talking about here. We've got to hurry up. Feed the flock of God which is among you. That's what you are. You're among me. You taking the oversight thereof, here it is, not by constraint, but willing, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. These are the instructions that Peter has for me, that I wouldn't begrudgingly do it. Like, I, oh, I have to, oh, have to go to church tomorrow. Have to. I've had some weeks like that, but I don't have those every week. Uh, I sent out that little post and that funny little, anybody think that prayer was funny yesterday? I thought it was hilarious. Christy watched it. She's like, it's okay. <laughs> but I just realized yesterday that, that I was ready to get back to church. We didn't have church Wednesday. Did anybody know we didn't have church Wednesday? Did anybody show up? Did anybody go regular schedule as always? That's bad. <laughs> we didn't have church Wednesday, and I felt like, gosh, I haven't been to church in a week. I ha we haven't been to church in a week. And I was ready to come to church this morning. Anybody else ready to come to church this morning? Okay, good. I, I, was, ready, I was ready to get here this morning. Hey, that's not by constraint. That, that is willingly. I was willing to come here this morning. I, I wanted to come to church this morning. I wanted to see all of you this morning. I, I wanted to come to church, not just to be heard or be seen, but just to... I wanted to, I wanted to do this. I wanted to minister. And here I got this message mainly pointed at me. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, Lord, maybe we ought to just skip this section. I thought that this week. I'm like, maybe we ought to just skip that. And then I, it kind of rang true that, well, you don't know who will be called to preach in there. Maybe this message will stick with somebody and you don't have a clue. And I'm like, you're right. I, I don't have a clue. Somebody can be called... Do you know there's no age requirements to be to uh, being called to be a pastor? Did you did you know that? And one of the issues that I had when I was called to preach with with my preacher, he said this. He said, "I don't know what to do with you. Somebody that's, I think I was 30, 30 something years old. He's like, I don't know what to do with you. Somebody's thirty years old and has kids. I don't know what to do with you." And I'm like, "That's weird." <laughs> I don't remember seeing an age requirement because most of the time we just think that like 18, 19-year-old boys are supposed to be called to preach. We just kind of think that, don't we? Hey, you could be 50, 60, 70 years old and God could call you to be a preacher. Am I right? There is no age requirement. God doesn't say, hey, I don't want to invest that much time and you're going to croak in a couple years. So nowhere does it say that. Nowhere. So I had to keep that in mind this week. Here's the important part that I get out of it. Not for filthy lucre. And I thought about that all week. What, what, does, what, is, what is filthy lucre's sake? And I looked that word up, and it's in the Bible four times. Filthy lucre is this, money. Money. Does, does, uh, is there anybody in here that hates money? No, nobody hates money. We hate having to worry about money. We hate having to think about money. We hate having to plan money. But if somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of money, you wouldn't say, nah, I hate that stuff. <laughs> right? Am I right? We all, we, all, we all like money. I like money. 
you're like, that's wicked. What? That's wicked. You're, that's not covetous. I like money. I, I like money. I, but I, let, I keep that like money, like I keep it to a perfect, acceptable level. Some of you's looking like, don't, you, you like money too. <laughs> and if somebody said, I'll give you all the money you want, you'll say, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. There's not a person that I know that's spiritual enough to go, hmm. Money is the root of all evil. I don't want any of it. I, that guy doesn't exist. He's a liar. He'd say, mm, money's the root of all evil. Here's my bank account. Just slip it in there when nobody's looking. I like, hey, there's nothing wrong with liking money. What, what is wrong with liking money is when it becomes the focus of your life. That's what's wrong with money. When your f- entire focus is on getting more of it. <laughs> oh, I'll work triple overtime this week so I can get great big boat load more of it. That's, that's what I'll do when you're taken away from things that matter. That, that's when it becomes a problem. When you will deceive people, cheat and lie people to get more money of it, get more money, that's when it becomes a problem. When you'll do anything you can to get more money, when the focus of your life is to get more money, that's when money becomes a problem. Because then your focus is on money and not things of, your, your focus is on money and things of this world, not things that God would have you focus on. When you take focus away from your family, when you take focus away from the lost, when you take focus away from God, that's when money is a problem. Hey, being able to pay your electric bill, that's not a bad thing. Is that evil? No. Being, being able to take your kids to that wicked Disney World, do you know how much that place costs? <laughs> it takes a lot of money to go to that place. That is not evil. Dry, having a nice vehicle, that is not evil. Having a boat is not evil. You have to have money to have all those things. I, I feel like that, that the world looks at us as you're just supposed to be a bunch of hermits and monks and like wear robes and that's it and wear tater sacks. No, that, there's nowhere, that's nowhere in the Bible. It's when your focus becomes on that, and look what Peter's telling preachers. Hey, feed the flock of God, not of constraint, but willing not for filthy lucre's sake. I wonder who that could mean. Hmm. That means preachers that are afraid to preach the whole counsel of God because somebody might get mad and leave. And if somebody gets mad and leaves, there won't be as much money in the offering plate. And if there's not as much money in the offering plate, somebody might have to take a pay cut. That's what that means. You know, we think of filthy lucre's sake. We think of Joel Steen down there in Texas that won't open his doors to those poor hurricane victims, which I don't believe any of that junk anyway. Oh, he's got 60,000 people. There's $5 million that goes through there a week. I think it gets a lot more personal than that. I think it gets down to the little small churches, the little preachers, the little pastors. It gets down to me. Hey, feed the flock of God, not by filthy lucre's sake. That, that's when it affects all the preachers. You know, I, don't, I probably, I have no idea. I, I promise you this pretty much, guarantee it, that I'll never have to worry about, oh, that Steve Jackson's got a church down there and. Wayne running 85,000 people, and they've got gold toilets in the bathrooms and everything else. I don't think that will ever happen. I don't have to worry about being that guy. You know what I have to worry about being? Not wanting to run people off. 
And I have to worry about it not so much as even affecting my bank account, but not just having you here. Mm, that feed the flock of God, not for filthy lucre, or not just so that people won't be mad at you. I, I think I could even add if I ever if I ever get to heaven, I'd be like, I think we can go back and put that in there because that would really help me. But I have to remind myself of that. Not even so people will like you. Not for filthy lucre's sake. You know that affects a lot of preachers. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to preach on that because they they might leave, and if they leave, gosh, they'll take them with me with them, and them them they'll, they'll go, and they'll go, and gosh, then we're gonna have to do something. <clears throat> do you know when most preachers get their paychecks? I always thought this was weird. You said Monday. Do you know that? Most preachers get their paychecks on Monday. And I never knew why until I asked, or was told why, I don't remember exactly, but I, one day I finally found out why. And, and the guy said, because if there's not enough money that comes in the offering plates, then the preacher doesn't get paid on Monday. And I thought, what? <laughs> How stupid is that? So what is that going to cause you to do? That's going to cause you to not say something, to not have people put money in the offering plate, or you won't get a paycheck on Monday. Am I right? I, I was uh, trying not to get too into this, but I have heard, had it heard said before that when offerings are down, staff cuts need to be made. What is that? That's filthy lucre's sake. That is when your focus solely becomes on that, on those things. Hey, why is it important to feed the flock of God? We're probably only going to get, yeah, okay. <clears throat> why is it important for me? Look at it this way. I can dump all the feed I want to in a feed bunk. Um, these kids, when they've got steers, they put a bunch of feed, a bunch of feed in there. And, and sometimes they won't eat at all. Anybody that's ever fed cattle or anything, you'll, you'll know that. Sometimes they'll, they won't eat. And we had this happen last year before the fair because Wyatt's steer was way underweight. And we were trying all kinds of tricks in the book to make him eat to gain weight. And we couldn't do anything to make him eat more. Sometimes I have to remember that as a preacher. I can bring all the feed I want, but that doesn't mean they're going to come to the feed bunk and eat. And, and sometimes when, the, when that happens, they'll root around and they'll pick out what they want and they'll leave the other stuff. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That's your job as a Christian. I, it, is to weed. <laughs> it's been said like this. Our cattle are smart enough to weed. Through, if you give them some hay, they're smart enough to not eat the thistles but eat the hay. And sometimes that's what Christians have to do. They have to weed through and not eat the thistles and eat the hay. And I think that's when those messages that I think have bombed, I'm probably throwing a bunch of thistles out there, but there's a couple pieces of clover and you, you pick that up. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. I mean, I'm just throwing the whole bale out there and you pick through the bale and get what you want. <clears throat> but it's my job to feed and not specifically even the ingredients, but give the whole thing, the whole batch, the whole mix. Does that make sense? So I don't just come in here every week and pick and choose, but I just feed the whole batch. And it's your job to feed it. And it's also your job to go home and eat leftovers all week long. Isn't that right? Where do you get the leftovers from? Right here, this book. You, you eat the leftovers all week long. You sort out the thistles and get the clover, 
and eat the leftovers all week. Why is it important and why do I push so much for you to come? What service? What service do I push all the time? What is that? Hmm. Sunday nights. That's right. I'm the Sunday night church pusher. <laughs> do you know why I'm the Sunday night church pusher? Because a lot of times on Sunday nights, my main focus, I focus on it Sunday mornings too, but my main focus on Sunday nights is my constant thought all week when I'm thinking about Sunday nights is this, feed the flock of God. That's my Sunday night focus. And when that became my Sunday night focus <clears throat> was this, because I, I was, let's see, how's that saying go? I was Baptist born, Baptist bred, I'll be Baptist till I'm dead. That's me. I grew up chewing my, sharpening my teeth in the Baptist nursery. I've been a Baptist my whole life. And I noticed this, that most Baptist churches don't want people to think too much. And it's probably not just Baptist churches. I think it's probably every church. They don't want people to think too much. They want them to be sheep. <laughs> Has anybody ever thought about it like that? Only eat what I feed you. Only, don't go anywhere else to get fed. Only feed what I feed you. That's the mentality of most Baptist churches. Across the board, some of you may not know that. You guys, you're giggling like you knew it. <laughs> that, that is the mentality of most Baptist churches. Only nibble on what we give you and don't, don't go anywhere else and don't think too much more about that. That's, that's the mentality. That's not just Baptist churches, but I would say probably across the board most, most churches. <clears throat> when we've got those cattle at home, we give them some feed, but they go out to grass and they eat on their own when we're not there. I think that's important. That, that is part of feeding the flock of God. I, I'm, I'm to open the gates sometimes, and that's what I try to do on Sunday night is to open the gates and make you think. That's part of feeding the flock of God. And I think sometimes I just like watching your faces when the light comes on. <clears throat> I saw it a couple weeks ago with Keith. He just sat there and he said, he was just going like this, like just mouth open. And then we, re re we reviewed the next Sunday and Keith was, had Cody running around circles back. He's like, hey, tell him to pull that one thing up. Tell him to show him that one thing. And what is that that's feeding the flock of God? So that when we watch the news or we see crazy things that are happening in Hollywood, or we see what the politicians are doing in Washington, D.C. or Columbus, we say, hmm, I wonder if it's that. <clears throat> what is that you're eating leftovers? <coughs> and because hopefully I've done my job on Sunday nights and I've fed the flock of God, then you're looking at all those things and you're saying, hmm, I wonder what if. Does that make sense? Some of you are looking at me weird, like people who don't come on Sunday night aren't getting it. <clears throat> <laughs> but that's my main goal and purpose is to feed the flock of God so that you're not just a bunch of zombies, basically. So that you think on your own. That's all right. It's, it's supposed to be funny. Are you were the only ones that got it. <laughs> so that you can go out and feed yourselves as well. So that you can pick through the thorns and the thistles and feed yourselves. So that you're able to see through the deception that's, that's been brought by your enemy throughout history. And most churches have emphasized 
because why? They're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. I don't ever, I don't ever want to preach for filthy lucre's sake. I don't ever want to say, hmm, I shouldn't say that because then my, my Monday morning paycheck may, may not be as big. I, I don't ever want that to happen. That, that's not because that's exactly what will be going on for filthy lucre's sake. <clears throat> but with a ready mind, we've got to hurry up because <clears throat> this is important. We're not going to get to talk. Yeah, we might. Verse number three, neither as being lords over God's heritage. What does that mean? When you lord over someone, that means like you're controlling every aspect of their life. Yes, Lord. Yes, that's a little L, that you're lords over God's heritage. Kind of look back at the medieval times. What did people say, call the people that were in charge? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord. I'm not to do that. I'm not to lord over your life. I'm not to have control over every aspect of your life. We were putting uh, um, our church constitution together, and it took us uh, forever to do it. We started out when, when when we started the church, and I got a bunch of constitutions from churches all around the place. And every one of those I opened up was that a member of such and such church will not do this and not do this. There was a majority of the Constitution was what people won't do. They won't do this. They won't do that. They won't do this. They won't do that. And this verse came to mind that I, as the pastor, am not to lord over you. Well, I never heard a preacher say that before because that's not my job. My job is not to lord over you. Whose job is it to lord over you? Um, The capital L, lord, lord over you. To tell you what you can do and what you can't do. Because so many times when when preachers lord over people, that's what their idea of Christianity is, is a bunch of I get to's and I don't get to's list. That's, That's what majority of people think that Christianity is. I, I talked about this lady a couple weeks ago. She said, I'd love to come to your church, but you're a Baptist church, and I wear, I think it was makeup. I wear makeup. I said, great, if you're ugly, paint the fence. I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's why she didn't want to come to a Baptist church, because why? Too many Baptist preachers have lorded over people's lives. They're lording over God's heritage, not theirs. Or, yes, they're, they're not looking at it as God's heritage. They're looking at it as theirs. Hey, you know you have trouble with an elder when an elder starts saying, my church. That's when you know there's trouble. I'll not have that going on in my church. They won't do that in my church. Nobody will act like that in my church. That's when there's trouble. Hey, I have to remember, this is the Lord's church. This is our church. I call it our church. I don't say my church. This isn't my church. I go to church here. I remember when, um, when we first started, I, I, had that que- I had that question asked to me. Um, the, the first time, I didn't quite know how to handle it. I, it kind of caught me off guard. Well, isn't that your church down there in, in, in Waynesville? And I was like, uh, 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 I go there. <laughs> I had no clue how to handle it because I knew that this wasn't my church. And when they said, isn't that your church down there? I just, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, oh, I go there. <laughs> and they're probably going to 
see that I'm the pastor there, and they're going to be like, he was afraid to tell us that. It wasn't that I was afraid to tell him. I just, this isn't my church. This isn't my church. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. It said my church. What is this? This is our church. I've been given the oversight thereof. I've been instructed to feed the flock of God. I've been, a, I've been given the, it's a big responsibility. And I don't do it for filthy lucre's sake. Why do I do it? To make my Lord happy. To please my Lord. And you know, I notice this, that if I try to make, I've noticed, it's, I've, I'm starting to, we've been here, gosh, I think next Sunday's our anniversary Sunday, isn't it? Wow, next Sunday's our anniversary Sunday. We don't make a big deal about that, but I think next Sunday's our anniversary Wow, be four years next week. Everybody come to the anniversary Sunday. Anybody remember that one, one preacher, he's like, he said, preachers' favorite Sundays are holiday Sundays because, come on, we're having President Sunday. Everybody come for President Sunday. Oh, we're having, that's back to church Sunday. Everybody have, well, next Sunday's our anniversary Sunday, so everybody come back to church Sunday. In four years, I've noticed this. The Lord will work and move in a, in a service more if it's His will done and not my will done. I'm dead serious. It's taken, and I still, I probably still don't have that lesson down yet. If I ever get that lesson fully down, that it's not his will that's done in here, but it's not my will done in here, but it's his will done in here. If I ever get that down, we'll probably have a sweet church. This, this thing will be sweet. It, it'll be sweet. <laughs> it's already pretty sweet. But if we can get that down, that it's not our will, but it's his will, it, it'll, be, it'll be sweet service all the time. I think probably... The sweetest service that I can remember, I remember our first, um, our first Easter Sunday night. That was, probably, that was probably the best service we've had, had here. There was about three people here. <laughs> it was our first Easter. It was on a Sunday night. But that, in my opinion, like number one service we've had at Harvest Baptist Church, that was it. That, does anybody remember that service? You guys remember that service? Okay, must not have been as sweet to you. <laughs> uh, maybe you weren't. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Do you remember that, Cody? I... Okay. <laughs> we yeah, and and here's what it was. We we came that Sunday night. There was just a few of us, and I think that might have been. I said, let's just all sit like right here. And I had a whole message prepared, and I started reading um, the Easter account, and I just ended up reading like two chapters, and we just closed the thing up, and we went home. That's the sweetest service. And then I would say number two was probably a couple weeks ago when your preacher snotted and cried all over the place a couple weeks ago. And why was that? I, don't, I, had, I had no plans of snotting and crying all Sunday morning up here. But why? That wasn't my will. That was his will. And if I will get that down pat, not my will done, not what I care gets said, but Lord, you feed the flock of God, which you've given me oversight. Hey, this, this thing will be sweet. It's, it'll be sweet. It's already sweet. It'll get sweeter and sweeter. Hey, it would be just like that honeycomb that we read about this morning. It'll be sweet like that. 
Real quick, Cody, let's go there just so we can say we got it done and then we'll, we'll split. <clears throat> Titus chapter number one. I just want to uh, show you this uh, real quick of what the Apostle Paul even, uh, even wrote to a young elder of the church. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath due in times manifest his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our God and Savior, to Titus, my own son of the common faith. Hey, that, that's how God committed his word to us, through preaching. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, those are preachers, that I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having, a, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. We should have left that verse out. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not, there it is, self-willed. Not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, for a, uh, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, specifically they of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, saith, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto pure all things that are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even the minds and conscience uh, is defiled. There we go. I get the last word. <clears throat> they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. That's it. That's it. So that was Peter talking to Titus, this preacher here in Crete. So how does that apply to you? Keep me accountable for that. I'm, I'm the, I'm the under-shepherd. I'm accountable to God. And if my will is ever done, then it's not God's will. And he, the Apostle Paul, which is an elder, talking to Titus, which he was an elder, and is talking to me, which I is an elder, just like Peter's talking to me, I, which is an elder. When I read this, do you know how I feel? When I, when I read First Titus... Do you know how I feel? Because sometimes I get this feeling like, uh, I shouldn't be so dogmatic on certain things. I sh I, you know, maybe I talk about Jehovah Witnesses too much. Maybe I talk about Mormons too much. Maybe I talk about this denomination. This maybe, maybe I talk about them too much. D did you see what Paul was telling Titus to be? 
not a wimp. Rebuke them sharply. Stand your ground. Rebuke them. Call them out. Hmm. I read that this week, and I feel like, man, maybe I'm kind of a sissy. Let's pray and get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord. I pray that, Lord, if someone is in here this morning that's not saved, Lord, it's, it's as simple as putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and it's, it's been made crystal clear this morning. And Lord, I pray that as I've looked at this and studied this this week, and Lord, it seems like I've, I've taken this to heart and I've taken this serious, and, and Lord, how serious this church is, and, and Lord, uh, we give you full reign and control over this, over this place. And Lord, I just pray that, uh, uh, Lord, as I've been convicted this week over some of these teachings, and Lord, how I've uh, maybe even put too much pressure and emphasis on myself, Lord, I have to remember that it's your church and it's your flock, and Lord, that you'll not uh, put any more pressure on me than, than what would be had, and Lord, but this responsibility does, doesn't go to me, Lord, it goes to all of us, uh, Lord, to keep each other accountable, and Lord, as we go out of here this week, I pray that you'll bring us back tonight, uh, Lord, that we can uh, 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 be fed by your word. And, Lord, that you'll uh, strengthen us and grow us thereby. And, Lord, that you'll have us see the things of our day and open our eyes to it. And I pray that you'll do that. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over us this week. Uh, Lord, for those that are traveling, I pray that you watch over them. We thank them for visiting this morning. We pray that they were blessed. And, Lord, we just ask you to uh, keep us all safe this week and uh, bring us back tonight and help us to finish our projects this Wednesday and help us to live for you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>